Welcome to another episode of the Collaborative Leadership Podcast from Alec Cameron and David Archer. Leadership used to be about setting a vision and creating followership. It's much more complex now. Leaders now need to be able to build partnerships and relationships across organisational boundaries. These podcasts from SOCIA will help you address the challenges of becoming a truly collaborative leader. Well, we're in 2015 now and this is going to be the year of the election. Yeah, and it doesn't look like anyone's going to have a majority out of it either. There's every poll is suggesting that even unlike 2010, where it was, you know, kind of Tory and Lib Dems, it's going to be much messier and it's going to be much more complex and it's impossible to predict. However, if you listen to the main parties, you would think we were still in the old world. Yeah, and, you know, like it or not, political leaders are going to have to get used to the idea of coalition and collaboration but that's not any of the rhetoric they're coming out with at the moment. Well, it's not in their mindset. And I contend that actually it's not in their DNA. Mm. But if it's inevitable, they'll have to find a way of handling it. And that's going to be a real leadership challenge as well as a kind of political communicating with the voter challenge. Mm. But in the UK, the model of leadership, of political leadership, is adversarial. And it's sort of binary. It goes one side or the other. The idea of collaboration, the idea of building alliances, is really anathema. Which is kind of interesting if you compare it with the business world. But it is interesting because I think the business world is now one where you do see collaboration and the ability to put together alliances being a key part of many kind of job specs for chief executives and so on. But it hasn't always been the case. I mean, when we started this consultancy business... 10 years more ago, actually, you know, there was still a lot of win-lose type business behaviour. And it's the response to increasing globalisation, you know, more pressure on your supply chain that has kind of forced business leaders to learn how to collaborate. And it's maybe that, well, certainly in the UK, political leaders haven't had to respond to that same degree of pressure. Mm. I mean, I agree with your point on the pressure. And I agree that, you know, the business world is much more interconnected and we've seen that kind of over the time we've been running social. But I kind of wonder if you're maybe a little idealistic of of how business leaders are. I think we're seeing people talk about collaboration. We're seeing some examples of it. We're seeing some initiatives around company collaboration. We're still seeing... You know, in some leaders, we're still seeing, you know, all the dinosaurs haven't died out yet. I suppose well, that's what I'm saying. And I guess that's that's kind of the point, that actually in the diversity of the business world, you see some niches where, in order to succeed, business leaders have had to learn to collaborate, and others who said, well, I'll choose not to work in that niche then. It's kind of the problem in the UK parliamentary system is, you know, there's one election every five years and there's not different parts of the of the political world you can choose to build your kind of your niche and your power base in. Yeah, I think that might be true. I mean you certainly see some leaders who are far better adapted 
to some sectors which are more autonomous than others, which are more interdependent. But if you look ahead, I think your point on interconnectivity is right, because actually we're seeing the trend going forward, the trend over time, the technology trend, the globalisation trend, the demographic trends are all, the world is highly interconnected and business leaders need to collaborate across boundaries all over the place. And to be honest, younger generations of leaders coming through don't think this is particularly odd. No, they just get it. And it's a sort of, it's an inevitability that if your business is to succeed in that interconnected world, you have to get good at all the difficult things of sharing control, handling the conflict that comes from that, and building relationships with people whose ideology you might not support, but actually who can give you something that you need to deliver your results. And I think that, you know, the business leaders that have been successful have managed to square a very interesting circle because what they've been able to do in their own companies is to enhance and confirm the identity of the company in a very interconnected world where the purpose of the organisation is often related to the purpose of some other organisation. So they've been able to separate those two things out, really. Mm. And I think that that's a really good trick, okay, to be able to pull. So, so take some examples, okay. So um, think of London Underground and how it manages to run the system, okay. But actually, it has a complex and very large supply chain behind it. But it still manages to be the the face of London, whereas actually a lot of the people that work on the system either are working across a boundary into London Underground or the opposite way. You see, elsewhere in the rail business, so, you know, this new consortium that's just won the East Coast Line, Stagecoach and Virgin, it's going to be branded Virgin Trains. 10%. They own 10%. And do you know that Stagecoach also operates the West Coast Main Line with Virgin? Uh, And they're kind of entirely visible, invisible, but they're a 49% stakeholder in that. But they've still got a very clear identity of what Stagecoach is great at. But actually, in terms of the purpose of delivering the franchise winning bid for East Coast, actually better to go underneath someone else's identity as part of that. You know, none of us know who it is that kind of builds our smartphone. We just take the brand. And therefore, brands for identity and all of that are terribly important. But leaders, more generally, have been good at saying... We don't do it all anymore. Yeah. We have to work with other organisations to deliver things. But I come back to the starting point, really, is that's not what political leaders do. Because political parties... Not I- in the UK. Identity and purpose are just born together as the same thing. You know, I am <clears throat> the Labour Party, therefore my purpose is to deliver these sorts of Labour Party things. But if you're working in coalition, you've got to be able to say... You know, my identity is this as a party, but in this coalition, I will also have to work towards to achieve some things which are my coalition partners. Yes, and you know, kind of a good friend of mine said, you know, so much of voting is tribal. Hmm. Okay, so if we take the kind of tribal model, we've got tribal leaders of you know, kind of parties which are focused on tribes, however, some of that is breaking down. Hmm. Well, I don't know, I, I. I kind of worry that the trend's the other way in politics, that actually you're seeing more growth of 
independence parties, mm-hmm. Scotland a case in point, mm-hmm. UKIP, yeah. and you see it across Europe as well, which are kind of pushing the story that actually vote for us and we can be independent and we can deliver the things that you vote for independent of all the constraints in a more complex world now my personal belief is that that's an illusion but it's an illusion which seems to be quite compelling to many voters and that kind of works against collaborative political leaders well it does and of course at the other side we've got structures like the eu which you would think on one side are collaborative but actually Mm. They're centralising. Absolutely. Um, central control. It's a central control and build a wall around Europe mm. rather than a wall around the country. So it's kind of political leaders either integrating or isolating one way or the other. But what they're certainly not doing is sharing control. And that's the challenge we see in the business world that actually in so many industries now business leaders realise that to be successful they've got to be able to share control and that's to be a good leader if you can. But in the political world, the idea of sharing control is, well, is that not weak? You know, is that something that's going to get you any votes? And so I can see why either the independence end of the spectrum or the integration end of the spectrum are quite attractive destinations for politicians because you can kind of then say to voters, yes, I'll control the destiny. But I think that's not going to be the reality of, of the next election in the UK, certainly. And if we once again look at what's coming, when we talk to our clients, they say to us, they think that, you know, the election in 2015 will be a big mess and there won't be a long-lasting arrangement out of it. And you'll end up with more elections quite soon after. Well, but to go back to your original point of, of dinosaurs... Maybe that's necessary. Well, maybe that's the meteor that needs to hit the planet to wipe them out. Because sadly, in the business world, you know, back in the 90s when we were kind of starting in this, there was a lot of failed partnerships, failed alliances, and both in public and private sector and between public and private sector. And leaders evolved, well, leaders learnt how to make things work and businesses evolved, and indeed some businesses failed because they couldn't make that transition from a, uh, you know, a vertically integrated supply chain into a much more lean, flexible, multi-party supply chain. And if they couldn't, they went out of business, and the ones that could succeeded and grew. Now, if you only have one election every five years, you're going to evolve pretty slowly. And maybe, sadly, actually we need to learn from some failures of alliances, failures of short-term minority governments to kind of say, well, what sort of lead, political leaders do we need to succeed in the future? Mm-hmm. But kind of what can we afford to let fail? That's true. Well, you know, kind of, so what are the parties of the future? Well, that would be like it, like saying, what are the businesses of the future going to be like? So can political leaders from an experience where it really doesn't work you know, where do our next set of leaders emerge from? People say we don't have them, they're not there. The kind of polling says we're very dissatisfied with the leaders we've got. So perhaps we're at a tipping point. But what we need is a bit of a push Mm. from perhaps, uh, you know, a very unsatisfactory election that actually says we can, in fact, deliver a different form of leadership in politics politicians who evolve their parties to be nimble, to be flexible, mm. and to be prepared to form alliances and things. 
because the realpolitik says that's what they're going to have to do. And maybe leaders of political parties need to look at and learn some lessons from modern business leaders, you know, who have had to respond to the challenges of business collaboration and have changed their leadership style. Or if they personally can't change their leadership style, businesses have got new leaders that could lead in that world. And I suppose that's the challenge, really, is will we see that emerge? Okay, Will we be sitting here in six months' time looking at and talking about some new people who are new leaders who will represent a new form of collaborative leadership in the political domain? Wait and see. Maybe we should repeat this in six months' time. Good idea. If you want to find out more about collaborative leadership and the work we do here at SOCIA, visit www.socia.co.uk where you can download more podcasts and other free resources.